Welcome to Park Valley Church's Sermon of the Week. It doesn't matter if you have been a Christ follower for years or new to the Christian faith, you have come to the right place. Listen in as one of our campus pastors shares how to apply biblical truth in a tangible way. As you listen, we pray you have an encounter with Jesus that leads to real and lasting life change. All right. Thank you all for being here this morning. And thanks for being here on our, our fourth uh, week of transformed, and you know, part of this is that we're setting goals throughout this. Anybody, any, anybody, set your goals in all these different areas? Give me a thumbs up if your goals are going really good. All right, awesome. That's what this is all about. That we find out here's some things we need to change in our life. We're going to set some goals to make those happen. I stood up here a couple weeks ago and I told you some goals that I set, and I just want you to know that you know one of them was to get a physical. All right, got a physical. Everything's okay. All right. The next one was to lose 30 pounds. So I've lost 15. We're on the way. Okay, you don't have to clap. It's not, it was a little, I was really surprised at how fast it came off. So <laughs> I didn't have to work that hard. So you can clap when I hit 30. But uh, the last one was join a gym. Okay, so I joined the gym. All right, I haven't been yet, but I'm, st- <laughs> I'm still going to mark it off the box because the goal was to join. All right, I told you, lower your expectations with all this. But, but yeah, that's what we're here for. And so we're going to talk every week about transforming different areas of your life. And so this week, we're going to talk about transforming your emotional health. And, and Park Valley, is we're here for you when it comes to your, all these things, your, especially your mental health and your emotional health. We, and last week, we shared uh, a resource page on our website. Uh, if you go to parkvalleychurch.com care, you'll see this uh, resource page. And all the things that we offer to help you through these difficult times, whether it's mental illness, or, or, or uh, uh, just, just uh, you know, some emotional issues you might be going through. You know, we make recommendations for uh, uh, counselors and Christian counselors in the area. But one, one thing that we have on there is, is a ministry that we have called Grief Share. And Grief Share is for people that have, that have experienced loss of a loved one and are dealing with the emotions that go with that. So uh, Betty Jo and Tim Goff lead that. And so we're going to hear from Betty Jo on video right now about Grief Share. Hi, I'm Betty Jo Goff, and my husband Tim and I have experienced great loss, including the loss of our son Justin. And after that loss, it felt a little bit like God had abandoned us. We couldn't find him, and it wasn't that at all. But grief does this thing where it's like a a veil that drops and keeps you from seeing God. And so we were desperate to find him again. And so Park Valley Church was offering grief share here, and it was one of the hardest things that he and I did was to step out the door that night and come to a grief share meeting. But we were so glad that we did. And after that class, we started to find healing. And we saw that grief does this thing. It's kind of like if you go down into a dark basement in in the daytime, the sun doesn't stop shining. The sun is still shining. Um, You just can't see it until you go back upstairs. And that's the way it is with grief. God is still there. You just can't see him sometimes because of the veil of grief. And so what Grief Share does is helps you through those emotions. Um, It helps you to walk alongside other people who understand. A lot of time people don't understand grief. They don't know what to say or what to do um, to help you through. And when you're in a room with people who've all suffered loss, it's very comforting and very helpful. And to hear that everything that you're feeling is normal and that it's okay and that everybody grieves uniquely and that's all right. And so the videos um, have been very helpful to our family and we've seen it help very many other families as well. 
Um, we do offer grief share here at Park Valley Church on Monday nights at 6.30, and it's a 13-week course. And we also offer loss of a spouse, which is a one-night class that you can attend. And then right before the holidays, we do something called Surviving the Holidays. And um, that's a one-night class as well. And it just gives you tips on how to get through those very hard holidays as they hit. Um, grief is a very hard thing to do, and you need to walk alongside people who can help you. And that's what Park Valley Church has provided for us and for many others. And the cool thing about Grief Share, it's 13 weeks, but it's, it's designed so that you don't have to start when they start a new round of 13 weeks. You can jump into it at any time. It's designed so that you can do that. So uh, if you're, if you're uh, experiencing uh, grief and loss right now, that would be a great thing for you to look into. And, and again, it's on our website. Uh, you can find all the details about that. And, you know, the unique thing about grief when you go through a time of grief is that you run the gamut of emotions. You know, you, you go through a grief process. And so you're going to go through uh, uh, sadness and anger, doubt, guilt, acceptance and a lot more. You're going to run the gamut of, of emotions as you're going through that grief. And, and what's important in your, in your uh, healing is that you're able to manage those emotions. You know? And so that's what we're going to talk about today is managing your emotions. Um, the Bible has a lot to say about emotions, all right? And, and understanding who God is is one of the best ways to start in, in managing your emotions. So to, to f- try to figure out life apart from knowing who God really is, really just leads to confusion. Leads to confusion. But if you, if, you, if you understand who God is and understand things like, you know, the fact that God is omnipotent, okay? He's all-powerful, all right? The fact that he is omniscient, he's all-knowing, and he's omnipresent. He is everywhere at every point in time simultaneously, you know, so when you know those things, when you're, when you're in a situation where you feel like, man, my life is out of control, you can find comfort in knowing that, that God is in control because he is all those things. So knowing who God is, knowing his character, knowing his nature is important in managing our emotions and figuring out life. You know, if, if you're here and, and like you're praying for a miracle right now, you need a, uh, you or somebody you need needs a medical miracle or a financial miracle or a miracle in a relationship or something, you know, just knowing that God is, is immutable is the big, the big theological word, but it just means he never changes, okay? So when you're asking God for a miracle, you're asking the same God that parted the Red Sea that healed the leper, that raised Jesus from the dead. You know, the same God that did those miracles is the one you're asking for a miracle in your life. So you, could, you, 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 can, you can ask that knowing God can do this, but because he's also uh, all-knowing, all-powerful, and ever-present, I know that if, if God doesn't give me a miracle, then, then he's got a plan for that. He's got a purpose for that. And so knowing who God is is important in, in, in managing our emotions and really just navigating life. Knowing who he is is important. And so, uh, so understanding that God possesses the same emotions that we do, if, as, you, as you get to understand, as you become more understanding of who God is, understanding that he has the same emotions that we do helps us to cope with those emotions, all right? So I want you to look at, at Mark 12, 29 through 30. That's our verse for this week. It says this, the most important commandment is this, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. So this is Jesus quoting the same, quoting Deuteronomy, quoting Deuteronomy 6 that we ended with last week. Jesus is now quoting that verse, and he says, uh, I, want you to, I want you to love God with all your heart, okay? Your heart is, is the seed of your spiritual life. 
okay? Love God with all your spirit. Everything about you spiritually, I want you to love God with. Um, I want you to love God with all your soul. The soul is the seat of your emotions. I want you to love God with all of your mind, okay? That's the seat of your intellect and all your strength. That's the seat of your physical, uh, uh, physical abilities. So God wants you to love with all of you, including your emotions, God wants you to love him with all of you, including, including your emotions. And so, so God created those emotions for a reason. We have those emotions for a reason. And the first reason is that we were created in his image. If God has these emotions, he created us in his image. And, and, and uh, so that means that, that our emotions reflect who God is. So God has the same emotions that we have. So I want you to look at a couple verses. You know, here's one that we know. We know that God loves all right, we all know that, and we know this verse, John 3, 16, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. We know that God loves. Love is that emotion, all right? Well, also, God hates. You know, some people are a little shocked by that, but God hates, all right? And Proverbs six sixteen says, there are six things that the Lord hates. No, seven that he, that he detests, okay? So he made a list of six and went, oh, wait, one more. You know, and these are things that God hates. So, so just like, you know, there are times that we hate, we experience hate over different things. God hates as well, okay? And, it's, and it lists there what he hates. Um, God is jealous. God gets jealous. Exodus 20, verses 4 and 5, this is right out of the Ten Commandments. He says, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate the affection, uh, your affection for any other gods. Okay, you think jealous. I thought, I thought jealous, being jealous was like a sin or something. You know, God's jealous. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, think about it this way. Husbands in the room. If, if another man shows the slightest bit of interest in your wife, that evokes some emotions, right? Okay, you start thinking things like, get away from my wife. Get your own wife. You know, then you give him the finger, the ring finger. You know, you show them, hey, we're married. She's got one similar to this. She's mine. That's what jealousy is. And that's, you know, every man should feel that. Every man should feel that for his wife. That's my wife. You know, God feels the same way about us. And so when we show the slightest interest in anything that would become more important than him in our life, God is jealous. You know, so God experiences jealousy. Um, God, God gets angry. He gets angry. Psalm 148.8 says, The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. If he's slow to get angry, then obviously he gets angry. Thank God he's slow to get angry because a lot of us would be in a lot different place if, if he were quickly angry. Um, then God can be sad. All right? God can be sad. When he spoke to, uh, the, in the divided kingdom, when he spoke to the southern kingdom of Judah, through his prophet Jeremiah, God said this, Jeremiah 14, 17. He says, night and day, my eyes overflow with tears. I cannot stop weeping for my virgin daughter, talking about Israel. My precious people has been struck down and lies mortally wounded. So God can get sad, you know? So, so when God said in Genesis 1, said, let us make God in our, or let us make man in our image, in the image of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that included our emotions. And so because our emotions were created by God, uh, or, and, and that we are created in the image of God, he, uh, then God knows exactly how we feel. When we go through emotional times in our life, God knows exactly how we feel. You know, look, and, and so the second thing is that our emotions demonstrate God's presence in our lives, all right? They're there, they're there for a purpose, 
and they demonstrate God's presence in our life. Look, look at what Psalm 93 says. It says, you thrill me, Lord, with all you've done for me. I sing for joy because of what you have done. So the writer there is exhilarated and, and full of joy because of something God did in his life. So our emotions demonstrate God's presence in our life. Conversely, our emotions demonstrate our need for God. They demonstrate our need for God. Look at what David said in Psalm 43. He said, why am I discouraged? Why so downcast, O my soul? The, the King James says, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put all my hope in God. I will praise him again, uh, my Savior and my God. So, so David, David recognized that the solution to his sadness and discouragement was God. He had a need in his life, and God was the solution to that need. And so in spite of, David said, in spite of the way I feel, I'm going to praise God, all right? I'm going to, I'm going to give him praise. And, and think about this. When God created Adam, okay, he, you know, as, as God you know, went through the days of creation, every day it said, this is good, this is good. And God said it was good. When he got to the sixth day and he created Adam, he said, this is very good, okay? Adam, man, was the pinnacle of God's creation, his, his favorite part of creation. He said, this is very good. But not too long after that, God looked at Adam and said, this is not good. He said, it's not good that Adam should be alone. You know? And so he recognized that Adam was not complete, that he, that he was alone. But he didn't just, you know, he, he could have made Eve on, on day six with Adam. He, he could have made Eve the moment he made the statement, it's not good that man should be alone. But instead, what he did was he let Adam figure that out on his own. The Bible says that Adam was charged with naming all of the animals. And I don't know how long it took. He's a man, so I don't think it took too long because, you know, he started noticing, hey, that guy has a, has, has a buddy and that guy has a buddy. I ain't got nobody. You know, Adam realized that he was alone. And so God waited until Adam experienced loneliness before he met that need. Adam realized, hey, I'm lonely look to God to meet his need, and then God gave him Eve, you know? So, so our, our emotions demonstrate our uh, need for God. And uh, our, our emotions, I have no idea. I do this every week. I start talking, and I, I look away, and um, I demonstrate our need for God. There we go. So, you know, they demonstrate our need for God. So if we feel, if we feel lost, you know, that reveals our need for God uh, and, and our need for a Savior. If we feel, if we feel uh, hurt or depressed, that reveals our need for a, uh, a comforter. And if we feel afraid, that reveals our need for a rock and a fortress. Our emotions reveal our, our need for God on, on every level. You know, so God gave us those emotions for a reason. They reflect the fact that we were made in His image. So that means our emotions are not sinful. Sometimes we get emotional and think, oh, I'm doing the wrong thing. Our emotions are not sinful. You know, sin becomes a problem when we fail to manage our emotions. Our, our emotional response to, to trials and conflict, is, that's where, we, cross, that's where we, we often cross the line of sinfulness. You know, it, it's okay to get angry. You know, anger is not a sin. The Bible says, be angry and don't sin. You know, but, but if your anger is motivating you towards towards lashing out at someone and using angry words and manipulation or even a violence and abuse, if your anger is, is causing that in your life, you've crossed the line of sinfulness. You know, fear is an emotion. 
And fear is a good emotion. Fear is that part of us that, that protects us from danger. You know, we see ourselves in a dangerous situation. So fear says, hey, I need to get out of here or I need to protect myself. That's what fear does. Fear is a good thing. But when fear keeps you from doing the right thing, that's when fear becomes a problem. That's when you cross the line of, of sinfulness. You know, when, when, uh, when, when you, uh, you know, in, in, a, in a relationship or, or something, when you know you need to go to somebody and say, hi, I, I, did this, I did something wrong. I need to ask your forgiveness. You know that's the right thing. Fear can keep you from, from doing the right thing. All right? And kids, you know, if, if you do something wrong, and you know the right thing is to go to mom and dad and say, hey, I, I did something wrong. I need to talk to you. You know, you're being afraid of the punishment you might get can lead you to do the wrong thing. When, when, my, when my four older kids were, were small, you know, Travis sitting in the back there, he's off the hook for this one. He wasn't born yet when this happened. But we used to have this red candle about this big in our living room, big red candle, just part of the decoration in there. And uh, so one day I walk in and there's teeth marks in the candle. You know, and so I knew it was one of my kids. Nobody else would have done it, you know. And so we sat him down and we asked him, all right, who bit the candle? Nobody, nobody's fessing up. Crickets, you know. So one, one by one, did you bite it? No. Did you bite it? No. Did you bite it? No. Did you bite it? So all four of them are denying it. So I'm like Lenny on, on Law and Order. I'm ready to take them into separate rooms and, you know, just, you know, get, at, get in their face and scare them until they start ratting each other out, okay. But apparently Melinda didn't let me do that. But to this day, we don't know who bit the candle. We still don't know. And every time my kids come home, they bring up the teeth marks in the candle. And one of them still, to this day, is lying through their teeth, telling me they didn't bite, they didn't bite that candle. And I just know on my deathbed one day, I'm going to be laying there. I'm about to take my last breath. And somebody's going to lean over and go, I bit the candle. And I'm not going to be able to do anything about it, you know? So, so uh, you know, that, that fear... Of, of punishment, you know, they knew they'd have to pay for the candle or they'd you know, have to sit in the room for a while or whatever. The fear of that punishment kept them from doing the right thing, you know? And so emotions are good. Unmanaged emotions lead to sin, all right? So it's important that we man manage our emotions. So I want to give you four daily choices you can make that'll help you to manage your emotions, all right? First, uh, the first choice is I will choose God's truth over my feelings, I'll choose God's truth over my feelings. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a path before each person that seems right, but the end is death, okay? There's a path that feels right, but the end is death. Your emotions, your, or excuse me, just because your, your, your emotions tell you that it feels right doesn't mean that it is right. God's word gets to, gets to decide what is right and what is wrong, all right? And, and, and it's our responsibility to do what it says. And so I want to give you an example, and this, this might not be the most popular thing to say right now uh, in, in, in this, this day and age, but, but it, it's, it's true. You know, there's, your, your, your emotions, your emotions, your feelings can cause you to question your gender. You know, that's a real thing. Your feelings can cause you to question your gender. And, and if you pursue life based on, on following your emotions, you're just going to be, you're going to be more confused down the road. But if you pursue life saying, I'm going to choose feeling or choose truth over my feelings, you learn that God's word, the truth of God's word says that he created them male and female. Okay? And, and you know, he said, that, he said that in chapter 1 of Genesis, God said it in chapter 1. He repeated it in chapter 5. Jesus quoted it in uh, Matthew 19 that he created them male and female. So, so you don't need to wrestle with your emotions to answer that question. 
God answered it for you. And he told you, he told you what the answer is. So if you're wrestling with that, the answer is in God's Word, and you don't need to wrestle over it. You don't, need to, you don't need to beat yourself up trying to figure that out. God's Word tells you that, that you know, whatever the doctor said when, when uh, you were born, that's the way God created you. And that can give you peace in your life. You don't have to wrestle with those things if you go with the, way, if you go with the truth that God uh, uh, has for us. You know, we, we'll talk more about relationship, transforming relationships next week, but you know, our feelings tend to lead us astray when it comes to our relationships because more than any other part of our lives, our lives, our, our relationships are driven by our feelings, you know? And if we allow our feelings, apart from the truth of God's Word, to, to uh, determine what happens in relationships, we're just, we're going to make a, a train wreck out of our life, you know? You always do what God's Word says in spite of how you feel, and, and God's going to honor that, you know? So next, if I'm going to manage my emotions, you know, first, I'm going I'm to choose truth over my feelings. Next, I will not let Satan manipulate me with his lies. I'm not going to let Satan manipulate me with his lies. Look at what 1 Peter 5, 8 says. Stay alert. Watch out for your enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, okay? Satan is real. Satan is powerful. Satan wants to destroy you. That's the truth. That's what the Bible tells us. But Satan is not the equal opposite of God, okay? Satan has tremendous limitations. He's, he's not the evil equal to a righteous God, all right? Satan was an angel, so, so any, 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 whatever power God gave to the angels, that's what, that's what Satan has, no more than that. He is not the equal opposite of God, so he has limitations. And, and we see throughout Scripture, the only power that he has over a believer is to lie to us. That's all. That's the only thing he can do is lie to us, all right? And, and, and Jesus said this about Satan in uh, John eight forty four. He says, he's talking to the Pharisees, uh, and he says, for you Pharisees are the children of your father, the devil, and you love, the de- you, you love to do the, th- the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Satan was a liar in the garden, okay? The, when he tempted Eve, he didn't, he didn't touch her. He didn't, he didn't cast a spell over her. He didn't do anything. He didn't possess her. He lied to her. And Adam and Eve bought the lie, and they sinned. And, and, and his MO has not changed at all. Satan's MO has not changed at all. If Satan's going to influence you, it's because he's, he's going to lie to you, and, 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 and you might believe the lie. Hopefully, you're not going to believe the lie, but that's what he's going to do. So when you're angry, Satan's going to tell you, hey, that feels right. That anger feels right. So, so you feel like lashing out. You feel like saying things you know you're going to regret later. So that must be the right thing to do. That's the lie Satan's going to tell you. He's going to lie to you and tell you that because you feel better when you have you know, a drink or two or ten, you know, that's the right thing to do because it makes you feel better. He's going to lie to you and tell you that, that uh, because you don't feel like staying married, that, that divorce is the right thing. You know, and there are times divorce is, is unavoidable, but God's purpose, God's plan is that you stay married. And Satan's going to tell you, hey, this is the right thing, even when it's not. And if we believe that lie, we're just damaging, we're just damaging the rest of our life. Okay? Satan will, uh, Satan kids, Satan will lie to you and tell you if you don't feel like obeying your parents, you don't feel like making your bed, feel like don't doing your homework, you know, he's going he's gonna to lie to you and tell you that because you don't feel like doing something, that that's the path you should choose. But the truth is, Satan lies to you because he knows that the Bible is right. Remember, Satan wants to destroy you, 
And he, he knows that verse that we just read, that there is a path that seems right, that feels right, but the end is death. And Satan wants you on the path toward death and destruction rather than life and peace through Jesus Christ. So he's going to lie to you and make you think things are okay when they're not. So, so if we're going to manage our emotions, we have, to, we have to refuse to let Satan manipulate us with his lies. Next, I will choose uh, to please God rather than to please people. I'll choose to please God rather than to please people. Galatians 1.10 says this, Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. If pleasing people were, were what I'm supposed to do, then I'm not serving Jesus, I'm serving those people. I'm serving their best interest instead of, instead of Christ. And, and it's easy to fall into the people-pleasing trap. You know, There are certain people in our life that we feel like, hey, I need that person's approval, I need their affection or whatever, and I'll do anything to get it. And I, we fall into that, that trap of, of pleasing people, but you can't be a people-pleaser and a God's, God-pleaser. And think about it this way, that person that, that, that you are you know, just so desperate to have their approval or whatever, when you do anything to get it, you know, you're, you're following your, fe- your changing feelings to impress someone else whose feelings will also change. You know? So there's nothing eternal about what you're trying to accomplish. Your feelings are going to change. His feelings are going to change. Her feelings are going to change. Whatever. There's nothing, there's nothing eternal about that. You know? and, and that person may not be there in, in two months, two years, ten years, whatever. That person may not be there. That person may not be there with you in eternity. But the person who created life, sustains life, and gives you eternal life isn't going anywhere. So it makes more sense to please him. It makes more sense to please God instead of people. Number four, I will choose self-control over self-gratification. I'll choose self-control over self-gratification. Sometimes managing our our, our emotions is just a matter of self-control. It's just a matter of self-control. Proverbs 25, 28 says this, A person without self-control is like a city uh, with broken down walls. Okay? If you have no self-control, you're vulnerable. You are open to Satan's attack. All right? And, and, and that attack begins in the mind. He, he has already chosen the battlefield. It's in your mind. And, and his only weapon is to lie to you. And so if you have no self-control, your life's going to be a train wreck. You know, and that's why this series is all about changing the way that we think because that battlefield starts in the mind. And if, and if, and if we're going to... Uh, uh, have that self-control, it starts with controlling my thoughts. I'm going to control my thoughts. You know, that's, what, that's why we're here doing this Transform series, so that God can renew, God can change the way we think by, by uh, changing our mind. Next, I'm going to control my tongue. I'm going to tr- control the things I say. James says this in th- uh, chapter 3, verse 2, for if we control our tongues, he would be perfect, and we, we would be perfect and can control all... St- and could also control ourselves in every other way. That's a powerful statement. If I can control my tongue, I can control everything else about me. That's a powerful statement, you know? And so if we can control our tongue, then, then, then you know, we, we control what we say. We control, comes, we control what comes out of our mouth. Sometimes we weaponize our speech, you know? We say things intentionally to hurt somebody. But if we can control our tongue and, and refrain from saying those things, even, in, even when it just feels right, then we're showing self-control, you know? And when it comes to managing your feelings, managing your mouth can be the most powerful choice you make. Managing your mouth can be the most powerful choice you make. James also says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. You have a lot of power in the words that you say. 
And if you choose to use those to, to bring life to people, that's powerful. But it's just as powerful to say the things you know you shouldn't and bring death to people. Put them on that path towards death. Finally, self-control means that I'm going to control my actions. I'm going to control my actions. 1 Corinthians 6.12 says, You say I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. Okay? The Bible says it right there. You can do whatever you want. Okay? You've got the freedom to do that. You can do whatever you want. But it doesn't mean it's the right choice. You know? And if you're going to control your actions, you're going to show self-control and, and do what you know is right. It may feel right in the moment, but does it measure up to the, to the standard of truth? You know, if it doesn't, the Bible calls that sin. And there are consequences for sin. So you can do whatever you want. You can choose your own actions. You don't get to choose your consequences. You can choose your actions, but you don't get to choose your consequences. You know, alcohol and marijuana might seem like a good thing right now, make you feel a little bit better, okay? You, you can choose that action, but you don't get to choose the consequences, the emotional and physical consequences that come from, from overuse or use, period, okay? Uh, you know, a relationship might feel right in the moment, but there are emotional, spiritual consequences when you pursue a wrong relationship. God's pretty clear. You can choose your actions, but you don't get to choose your consequences. And if there are consequences to, your, to our actions, it just makes sense to choose actions that are guided by truth and obedience and endure the consequences, because sometimes we may make a choice where the consequences are really not what we want, but it's still what's best. We do the right thing. Sometimes the consequences are not the greatest thing. But we choose the right consequences, because no matter what the earthly consequences are, you know, we, we still get the benefit of the eternal consequences. And, you know, if, if you're here today and you've never accepted Christ, you know, then you have some eternal consequences to consider. You know, the Bible's really clear that everyone who has accepted Christ has an eternal consequence of eternal life in a place called heaven. But if you, if you, if you don't choose Jesus, the Bible says he's the way and the truth and the life, there is an eternal consequence that results in a place called hell. The Bible is very clear about that. You know, neither of them are allegorical. They're not, they're not fables. They are real places. And, and if you want to spend eternity in heaven, you have to make the choice to follow Jesus. So just for a few minutes with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to challenge you, if you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, that today's the day to do that. There are eternal consequences for not having Christ in your heart. And, and making that decision is simple. God would not hang that on, on anything complicated. God would not, he'd not have you jump through hoops or do impossible things just so that he could spend eternity with you. He wants to spend eternity with you. He desires to dwell with his people. And so it's very simple. It's just a matter of, of telling God, yeah, I believe. I believe that you were crucified buried and rose again on the third day so that I can have eternal life. I believe that, that you, only you can give me forgiveness of my sin, and I believe that you can give me eternal life. And you can talk to God however you want and, and, and uh, have that conversation with him, or you can, you can kind of say it something like this and just repeat the words that I say. It's not about the words, it's about the intent of your heart and mind, but, but uh, just say, God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you that because of his death, burial, and resurrection, I can have eternal life. So today I confess my sin to you, and I ask forgiveness, and I choose to follow Jesus. 
And if you prayed that just now, you prayed that and you meant it and you, you uh, want to follow Jesus, you want to make him, make him your Savior and your Lord, then, then you just did. If that's the intent of your heart, you just did that. You just entered into the most re- important relationship that, that you'll ever be in. And as a church, we want to be there for you. We, we want to help you, uh, as you as you've made this decision. We want to help you down this journey. You know, so we've got, we've got people up here that will pray with you at the end. Come down and let them know the decision you made, and they'll pray with you. Uh, as you exit, there are some black bags in the, the lobby there. Grab one of those. It's got a Bible and some other information that will help you uh, as you start this new life with Christ. You know, some of you are here today, and, and this whole thing about emotions, you know, maybe, maybe you're looking back and thinking, boy, I haven't done a good job of handling my emotions. I fly off the handle. I, I, I live in fear. I'm, I'm sad all the time, and I, I just I let my emotions get depressed to me, uh, get the best of me and and I, I, I let my emotions dictate my actions and, and my actions often cross that line and whatever it is whether you're just struggling emotionally right now or, or you've you've been 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 uh, you've not been managing your emotions I want to pray for you and our team up here wants to pray for you so if you could just lift your hand if you need if you need prayer when it comes to managing your emotions lift your hand up and hands going up all over the place very good all right, put your hands down. And then if you prayed to receive Christ a moment ago, would you lift your hand for me? Anyone that prayed to receive Jesus as their Savior? Very good, thank you. All right, let me pray for you. Father, we're, we're just grateful for your love for us. God, I'm grateful for everyone in this room that prayed to receive Christ. I pray that, that as they start this journey with, with their Savior, that you would uh, just bless them, help them to, to understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus, help them to grow every day to be more like you, surround them with people that are gonna encourage them and bless them. Father, I pray for uh, those today that are struggling. They're, they're struggling managing their emotions. Lord, they're struggling with, with certain feelings, whatever it might be. God, you know their hearts. I pray that you would bless them. I pray that they would find, find comfort knowing that you are in total control. Even when we feel like we have no control over a situation, we can find comfort knowing that you're in total control. God, I pray for those that are hurting, that they would, they would look to you for comfort. I pray that those that are confused and have questions about who they are and about, about their life in general, Lord, that they would look to your word for the truth. And so, Lord, I pray that you bless all of us Lord, as we're going through this Transform series and changing uh, uh, parts of our life and making goals. Lord, help us to have, have uh, uh, courage to step forward and wisdom to pursue these goals, and Lord, in a way that honors you. And I pray that you would do an amazing work in our lives. And Lord, we love you. Thanks for loving us and sending Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. If you accepted Christ, want to accept Christ, or just want to see what Park Valley Church is about, you can email us at info at parkvalleychurch.com. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.